How's it going, everyone? It's Tuesday, and it's episode 40... Is it 43? Is that what we are? 43, guys. Go figure. Episode 43 is here. I uh, really appreciate you guys' feedback and engagement from the last three episodes that we've had. It's been fun to see how much you've enjoyed some of these episodes, talking about AI and uh, the business funding space, all the different things that we chat about. Today's topic, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, going to be about sales secrets and how that's helped us to build an eight-figure empire. We're going to talk about how important sales is in all aspects of business and in life, because whether you understand it or not, or comprehend it, like sales are used every day in your relationships and everything. When I'm trying to get my kids to do some chores, there's some sales skills involved in doing that. And unfortunately, in school, college sales is still not a taught subject. I don't know why. Why do you think that is? I I just think probably because a lot of the people teaching in college and Uh high school. I hate to say this. I love a lot of my teachers. My mom's a teacher, but I just don't think a lot of them actually know and understand sales to be able to effectively teach it. Well, no question. And if you haven't, you know, worked at a business, which most people at some point are doing, most people don't work, you know, in the education system, then you understand, you get to understand when you join a business, oh, wow, I wish someone would have taught me about sales in school. And so part of that's it. If you've been in education from you know the very beginning till you start your career in education, then you maybe never did, had to work specifically for a business where that was absolutely something vital that you needed to learn. So interesting stuff there. Uh, summer is passing by quickly. The weather in Utah is very weird. We're having like one of the coldest Junes ever, which is nice. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys got going on? Got some yeah, uh, vacations you know, I, coming up. We're heading up to Island Park, right outside of, of Yellowstone, That's to celebrate the, uh, the independence of our country. You know, the birthday. Oh yeah. To, oh yeah. A lot of golf lately. I again, I'm in a hoodie. It's weird. It's yeah. June, but a lot of golf lately. It's great. Yeah. No, the mornings of usually by now, like I'll go run outside in the morning and just be in a tank top, but not 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 June. It's been like 50 or 48 degrees in the morning, and so it's. Yeah, not, not it's great for the power bill. Oh yeah, yeah, the power bill's uh, doing fantastic. Not the not getting hit by the AC. Usually by July first, it's like a hundred degrees here in Utah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a doozy, and I'm I'm actually kind of loving this. It's, it's I've been fantastic. I'm not, yeah, me too. But we keep having like football practice, and and so it's nice that it's not super hot out there. It's yeah, actually nice. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right. Well, my friends, let's go ahead and uh, jump into episode 43, the sales secrets needed to build an eight-figure empire. And dare I say it, maybe a really successful life because it's difficult to build a successful personal life if you don't achieve a certain level of persuasion and sales skills, et cetera, et cetera. So you've done this uh, sales training. You're kind of our chief sales officer. Well, not kind of. You are a chief sales officer here at Seven Figures Funding. And so you've been in sales for over a decade. 
And there's a certain process that you use with sales, whether you're trying to get your kid to do something, whether you're trying to build a relationship with your spouse, whether you're trying to move a client forward to jump from prospect to funding client or any sales process out there. How do you kind of build a sales process? What are some of the three or four factors or keys that you kind of break it down into? If you're doing a process of sales, like what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, obviously... You know, we can break it down and dissect it as much as we want in the, uh, you know, the first 60 seconds, good, strong intros, getting the rapport. But ultimately what it comes down to, in my opinion, in my experience, Leo, is step one, you've got to develop urgency, right? If, if there's no urgency, there's no motive for them to even finish this phone call. Um, so you, you, you get into urgency, which is how soon do you need it? What's the urgency? How quickly does this need to get done? But the key to urgency is if I'm going to ask someone, how soon do you need this product? I better follow it up with why, right? If they give mm-hmm. me a time, that's that. Okay, whatever. It's, it's, it's a, I can use that later in the call. So be it. But if I don't understand why they need this product in the next week and then continue to dig at that, then I've missed the purpose of urgency. So urgency is figuring out why they need it and how quickly they need it. And digging really deep into the why they need it, right? Most decisions, people don't understand that they're made emotionally and then they're justified logically. And so a lot of new salespeople get out there and maybe you're trying to build your business funding empire. Maybe you're a business owner, entrepreneur, and you're trying to build your business and you're like, why are my sales struggling? Well, a lot of the times it's because you're focused on facts and you know all the logical reasons why someone should move forward and become your client. But at the end of the day, it's the emotional. So what's like an example or maybe we can even role play here of where you would dig deep into that why? Well, here here's a perfect example, Leo. Right now we... Uh we just moved into a new home a few months ago and the backyard's not finished. And I've had a lot of different people coming by giving me quotes and most of them don't understand sales. I'm, I'm going to be completely yeah. honest. And they say, well, how quickly do you want this done? I'll say, well, I, I want it done within a, a couple weeks. Okay, great. Fantastic. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. And they get on to the next thing. But in all <laughs> reality, if the follow-up to that question, Leo, was, well, why? Well, why? Because I have two sons and two very, very energetic dogs that are cooped up and stuck inside. And guess what? Now you're starting to get into my actual pain. And that is the biggest lever you have in any sales call is understanding someone's pain is how you can actually give them a solution and help them start to build that dream and that vision. And so someone follows up with why, and I start explaining the dogs, the boys, the this, the that. Well, they can now start to resonate with me and talk about, oh, well, you've got two boys. What if we did this playground here and you've got two dogs and they start to visualize and dream with me and, and talk about how, well, maybe we can't have the full thing done, but what if I could get this section done so your boys can start playing mm-hmm. right without that follow-up question of why do you want it done in a few weeks? They had no idea that I wanted to make sure my dogs and my boys had a yard to play in this summer. hundred percent. And so you've, you've titled three things, three keys to sales that are part of that process. Number one, you're saying you've got to create urgency. If there is an urgency then human nature is we're going to take our time and make a decision next year. We may not even do it this year, right? Oh, yeah. And so create urgency. And then you talked about defining that pain 
And that's an emotional thing, right? That's not necessarily a logical thing. It's emotionally, man, your kids can't get outside. They're cooked up inside. It's the middle of summer. Your dogs are going crazy. And it isn't maybe safe for them to be running around in the backyard where it's not built out yet. And that's the pain. And so if you dig deep into that, now you can actually get somewhere. Uh, You know, funny enough, I remember when Jill and I first bought our first house. This was back in 2003. That was, geez, that was 20 years ago, man. So we bought a house, and we moved into this uh, little house in in Sandy, Utah, nice little neighborhood, little split-level home. And we moved in, and these guys knocked on our door, and they were selling Kirby vacuums. And they came in and they did their cute little presentation. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's $2,000 for a vacuum. I'm like, what? what? We just barely moved. We're kids. We don't have money to buy a damn Kirby vacuum for two grand. And then they started showing the tests like between our vacuum and, the, and, and their awesome Kirby vacuum that they said was uh, powered by NASA rockets. Like they legitimately, yeah, wow. this is the same NASA, ro- it's the same scientists built out our engine. And I, well, I'm super impressed. So they did the little uh, experiment, but then you know what they did? They found the pain point. Oh, how are allergies treating your newborn baby of two, three weeks old? Oh, man, he's really struggling. They're like, well, yeah, I bet he is. Look at all this dirt and crap that our Kirby vacuum picked up that your other vacuum couldn't even begin to scrape the surface. And they dug in that pain so well that we signed off. We got him down to like 1200 bucks or something and signed the agreement. And we financed it, which was brilliant, right? <laughs> Probably a rape rate. And uh, we, you know, just only literally in the last year, we finally replaced that Kirby. So it did last a long time, but what a great job they did at finding that pain. And then they do the next thing, which is create the dream or vision. Yeah. And I think the key question you said there, Leo, is how has asthma impacted your newborn? Not does your newborn struggle with asthma? Uh, the, yeah. the key difference there is one question is open-ended and prompting a, a response. It's awkward. You've, you've got to give them some fuel yeah. versus the other one. I could easily just say no, and it's done. Now they have to move yeah. on to the next one. So that open-ended question is very, very powerful there. And they just tugged on our new parent heartstrings and like, well, yeah, he's going to have allergies and all sorts of potential you know, illnesses and diseases because you don't have a good vacuum in here. And Wow, that's, that's, I mean, they just dug at that really, really well. And people move, if you were going to like give a percentage, what percent of people move based on pain versus pleasure? Whether they want to admit it or not, pain is significantly stronger. And I bet oh, yeah. 90 to 95% of people make their decisions and act upon pain more so than pleasure. Which is always unfortunate. And this always blows my wife's mind because she was this perfect kid that always obeyed everything her parents told her to do. And she doesn't understand that sometimes the only way our kids are going to actually move, more similar to me, is by giving them pain, results, consequences, and difficulty if they don't do what they're supposed to do. And that's where we talk about motivating, you know, leading with love versus, you know, a little bit more of accountability and and tough love. And unfortunately, human nature usually goes to, you know, the tough love. That's where we actually get stuff done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if you're, you know, doing business funding and you're working in the business funding space, or maybe maybe you could even share an example of the time that you went uh, to, I believe it was a golf event in Arizona. And you oh. had like a, a little purchase transaction, and this guy did a great job. 
Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, I, I like to talk about this one because it, it blew me away. It was so unlike like me, and I 100% got sold um, in a good way. It was, it was a good sale. It was but, impressive. Uh, I, I got off. It was a smaller plane. I got off this plane in Mesa. It wasn't even Phoenix, and it was one of those where you literally go down the stairs off the plane. There's not the, the tarmac or whatever. And so right when I get out of this plane, I went from stormy Utah to – sunny mesa and all of a sudden it was so bright out there i couldn't see a dang thing my eyes were killing me it was just brutal and so we get in the car and the first place we see is is we see a little mall i was kind of hoping to see a, a little gas station where i could go get some you know twenty dollars yeah, exactly yeah. my twenty dollar sunglasses and leave them there and you know forget about it. it's just for the weekend but we find a mall and i go into a sunglass hut and I'm I'm looking at prices and right off the bat I'm like I'm not spending 200 bucks for a right. pair of sunglasses I can never even hang on to them and lo and behold a talented salesperson approaches me and says wow well, you know where where are you guys from he could tell we had our backpacks everything still on so where are y'all from tell him I explain yeah I got off the plane and it was brutal so okay well are you need sunglasses like I I would imagine you're here for the weekend how you probably need these right away right of course. And he starts asking follow-up questions. Well, you know, tell me, what do you know about those $20 sunglasses? Prompting me to be like, well, I don't know. Do you understand what kind of protection that they do provide? And starts to kind of start to explain these differences and the quality behind these, these sunglasses and continued to dig and dig and dig at pain points that I didn't even know existed. Like, I didn't know that I cared about what was ha- actually happening to my eyes behind the $20 pair I didn't know that I cared that much about how I looked in these sunglasses. I didn't know that I cared about maintaining a pair for a year or two at a time and warranties that sunglasses actually provided. But open-ended questions prompted what blew my mind, like a 35-minute sunglass sale that I didn't even know existed. And uh, sure enough, I walked away from that thing with not only a pair for myself, but a pair for my wife and left... uh, Got to protect her eyes. Yeah, like $350 later or something. And guess what? We still have them. Both. Wow. That's actually amazing. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I've heard this story a a few times. And the incredible thing is I did always in the back of my mind think how ridiculous it was that you spent that much on sunglasses. So here's a fun story. A few weeks ago, because I had a problem, here's how this can work in online sales. So six months ago, Jill and I went in. We were both going to get LASIK. We're super excited. She goes through the LASIK test. Oh, she's a perfect match, perfect fit, gets her LASIK done. Her eyes are perfect. It's amazing. I go through mine, and they're like, nah, you actually don't qualify for LASIK. Sorry. Wait, what? So I don't qualify for LASIK because my eyes are too bad in the far-sighted category. Near-sighted, you're good to go. And so, and, and this year, you, you said, hey, I've got to learn how to play golf. No question. We sold the boat, so we got to learn to play golf. So I'm going through. I'm like, I got to have glasses. I want to wear. I want to wear sunglasses out there and still be able to see the ball. So I jump on this uh, glasses.com or something thing, and I'm going through, and I can get like these sunglasses that are prescription based with a warranty and all of the same things. And it's asking me questions and digging into my pain and going through how urgent it is. Well, yeah, it's urgent. I've got to go golfing next week, right? And so I'm going through this entire process, and then I get the warranty, and I just got these glasses, and they were $300, by the way. 
300 dollars and but they're fantastic they're fantastic they've got a multiple year warranty on them and i can see the ball and you know what's really great now when i'm going to like football practice i'm noticing i can actually see you know the routes and the ball better and if someone's actually open or if they actually did their job like 40 yards away (laughs) i'm like oh i probably should have gotten these a while ago yeah yeah, so it can happen online too. Yeah, I mean, survey-based cells are, uh, I mean, if you can get them to do a survey prior to the cell, it's very, very powerful. Absolutely. Well, let's move to our mindset topic. And this one's an interesting one, and there's kind of a lot of different uh, points of view information out there. But I was, I've was i just been curious. We've been talking about accountability. We've talked about victim mindset. We've talked about participation trophies versus you know meritocracy, and meritocracy being that you actually have to earn things. You earn it because of merit, right? You don't just get something because you were born with the right last name or you got that magical you know, college degree piece of paper that means you are going to be great in business, which actually it doesn't, right? And so I wanted to figure out, well, what does the internet actually say about meritocracy? And so the, it's interesting the articles that popped up because I thought oh, there'd probably be a good mix of you know people who say meritocracy is good and then those that are like no meritocracy you know creates unequal and, and you've got a little a chat GPT thing on this I want to I want to hear about but basically article number one was from Harvard University the myth of meritocracy so you don't have to go dig too far, they have a negative connotation and outlook perspective when it comes to people actually earning things with hard work because the outcomes might not be equal. Like everybody has this idea, oh, it sounds good that everybody has equal outcomes, but if you're busting your ass and I'm giving half efforts, should I get the same reward you get? No. Not at all, right? And that's the type of generation and environment that we're building right now in America that is making us very weak compared to a China and India, some of these other countries that are coming up that are highly motivated, ambitious, and everything is built upon meritocracy. And you look upon what made our country great, and it's a great time to talk about it as July 4th is right around the corner. Well, did uh, meritocracy help us become an independent nation to beat Great Britain in the Revolutionary War? That's the only way, right? If we just thought we deserved it, that was never going to happen. Great Britain was never going to give this land away. And so article number two was from The Guardian. The myth of meritocracy, who gets what they deserve? So just all negative. There was another one by Vox that said meritocracy harms everyone. Then there's another magazine that says the dark side of meritocracy. And then... And then further on, there was uh, there was another article here uh, about Grant Cardone, the real estate investor, sales expert. Um, I learned a lot uh, from reading his sales books. I learned an absolute uh, amazing amount of information about sales that I never had learned in school, in college. And this article says the hustler mirage, selling toxic productivity under the guise of coaching. So basically saying that hard work and being productive and getting up early and you know doing all these different things that you see successful people do, actually it's not good. You probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Unless we live in a perfect world, which we will never live in a perfect world, meritocracy is the only way we excel as a human race, right? It's it's the only possible way. Can you imagine if like we're we're in our graduating class and it's like, okay, Ty, you're going to be a surgeon. 
Leo, you're going to be an attorney. Jillian, you're going to be a professional athlete. And we were just assigned these things based on a, a roll call or who we who our parents were. It, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to just give people things. Like it, they have to be earned. Hard work has to occur because that's the hard work is what separates those who are going to really, really excel and those who are just going to be mediocre. No question. And for some reason, maybe it's our online world, maybe it's the way people in government think, or maybe even maybe it's the way some of our teachers and professors are thinking. And as I think about my best teachers and professors who made an impact in my life, I think about Mrs. Eyre, who was my advanced English, AP English teacher, and she was also the the head debate coach in Beaver High School. And she was this incredible, ambitious, motivated uh, lady who would, you know, find people with potential and then she would really follow up on them hard. And if you did a shitty job on your paper, she lets you know and she lets you up, but she always lifted you back up that you, she expected more, that you had that potential if you put forth the hard work and the effort in there. And still to this day, it's the teachers that were hard on you that push you. Those are the ones I remember. I don't remember the easy teachers who it was kind of, oh, you showed up, good job, you get an A or B. But the teachers that made me work really hard, that pushed me, and that even even Mrs. Eyre would go and talk to my mom. I'm like, I don't want to do debate. And my friends are talking crap about it. And, and my mom's, oh, no, you're doing debate. And thank goodness Mrs. Eyre and my mom did that because that taught me how to be a great communicator. It helped me in sales, and it surely helped in all these presentations that you and I do across the country on stages, virtual workshops where we're comfortable speaking because I was put in that position even when I didn't want to be. And that's what a meritocracy is about. It's about someone holding you accountable and pushing you to achieve your potential. And if you believe you're going to achieve potential and any amount of success through participation, through just showing up, that's that fixed mindset versus growth mindset that you were talking about a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just as you were talking about that, my mind went the same place, right? All throughout the year, we'll sponsor a dozen events. And and Leo, I think we're both guilty of this at times where we'll spend $5,000 just to be able to be in this event and set up a booth. And we just sit there and just hope that someone's going to come talk to us. We don't start handing out flyers. We don't take action. We don't start having conversations. And guess what, people? In the real world, if you set up a booth and you just sit there, nothing's going to happen. The, the events where we go out and we make money and we grow and we find new partners and we, we, uh, we help this business bottom line, we're, we're out there, we're grinding, we're starting conversations, we're handing things out, showing up does nothing. It's just the start. It's like all of the success comes in being uncomfortable and getting out of that comfort zone and reaching out and doing things that you're not used to doing. But boy, when you start to do it, you start to feel so good. I've even felt like uh, a few weeks ago, I was feeling like I was kind of just going through the motions and I didn't have the energy and, and the passion. I get on a podcast and I'm like, oh, not another podcast. And, and I just had this bad attitude. And so when I started to change my energy, I started to bring up and be like, and, and look at myself from a merit-based mindset like i'm not i'm not getting the job done i need to pick up my energy i need to reach out on linkedin i need to do more podcasts i need to do this this and this and now all of a sudden and maybe it's just timing who knows but all of a sudden last week we saw our lead flow increase dramatically we're starting to feel all this momentum we're making things happen we're going to finance the my figures app on our own like these are the this is what a meritocracy is all about and if you think someone's coming to save you and this is what's what's tough about you know social media we read things oh i like 
like that. Oh, oh, I like that, but it, it's not necessarily true. If social media was always saying, actually, you're not getting the job done. You need to get up earlier. You need to work harder. And you need to stop whining and complaining, and you need to do more cold outreach in your business if you actually want to grow it, and you might actually have to put more money into this before venture capital, like all these different things. If the truth was out there, yeah, it doesn't quite sound as good because it's hard, but that's what's real. And so hopefully at some point people come to that realization and come back to the roots and the reason why the American dream is the American dream and why so many people still across the world want to come to our nation is because of this American dream that anybody can come from anywhere and achieve incredible success, right? Even though not not a huge LeBron James fan, I mean, here's a guy who came from a single mom in Akron, Ohio, poverty. And because this American dream is alive, look at what he's been able to do. And there's so many different stories about people like that. And everybody who is subscribing to this idea that you can't do it because of your race or your religion or wherever you came or your man or a woman or whatever it is, it's not true. Everybody can, and the market will accept you as you deliver value to others. Yeah, and I think it, I mean, case in point is look at things in your life that were given to you versus things that you worked hard for and earned. Oh my and gosh. look how much more they mean. Like, I, I think about the first car that my parents gave me, and I would take that thing off jumps. I would put stickers all over it. I would beat the shit out of it. Yeah. But then the first time I go out and I work really hard and I use my own money to buy my own car, I babied the heck out of that thing. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's a part of why we love our children so much because it's really, really hard. It pushes you to the limits, and, and you sacrifice so much so you you love these things versus something just being handed to you, right? It's It's a... Mm. Sacrifice and hard work are what really, really builds and develops the passion, the love, and the care for the things that you do have. Wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. Well, that is our mindset segment, everyone. Let's move into the sports segment. Ty, what do we got going on in sports? Yeah, we, uh, obviously we have to touch on the NFL a little bit, talk about some of the big games, maybe some over-unders on, on season wins. That surprised me a little bit. But uh, I think it'd be foolish not to mention the name Wyndham Clark. So... Wyndham Clark, a, a lot of you, you know, if you follow golf, you probably heard about him just this last weekend, probably didn't hear about him much before then, um, even though he did get his first win a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, but Wyndham Clark, wrong. professional golfer, he just won the U.S. Open, and he was not even in consideration. When, when you're looking at the top favorites, I bet he wasn't even top 20, maybe not even top 30. But Wyndham Clark, what's interesting here is you start to look at his history, watching him play over the last few days at the u.s open i was i even told marie like there's something different about this guy his his mindset his attitude his dedication and and as he's getting closer and closer to winning this thing they start talking more about his life and his history and so he's the son of a professional tennis player which talk about developing the winner's mindset at a very very young age being a son of a professional athlete um, and he also attended school with Christian McCaffrey. They're actually friends. They still keep wow. in contact. That's impressive. Um, but after high school, Wyndham Clark, who just won the U.S. Open as a long shot, um, he went to Oklahoma State University. And it was during the time he was at Oklahoma State, and he was a really, really good golfer, like supposed to just win the, the national championship every year. Um, he was notified that his mother had breast cancer. Oh, wow. And initially she beat it, but then it came back again while he was still at Oklahoma State. And ultimately, at the age of 19, he lost his mother. 
And it took such a toll on him that his coach at Oklahoma State ultimately said, you know what, you've got to step away from the game for a minute. You've got to work on your mental health. You've, you've got to figure these things out. There's more to life than golf. And so he took a little bit of time away. He actually mentions he got really into faith um, and, and a belief in, in he's, he's Christian. And so um, what he did is he came back and said, you know what, I need a fresh start. I need a change of scenery. I'm going to go ahead and transfer to Oregon. Had a pretty good wrap-up to his career, but just six weeks ago, he's 29 years old. He actually won his first tournament, and then, like we said, just this past weekend, won the U.S. Open, which in the last six weeks, he's made, I think, $7.6 million is what they said, wow. and his entire career prior to that was just $2 million, which is pretty crazy. Um but what Wyndham was saying after is, and it was pretty special because watching this tournament, you know, but maybe you think this is crazy, maybe you don't, but even myself and Marie and some of my friends were saying, like, the way that ball rolled and the way that ball was, like, at a dead stop and then all of a sudden picked up a little bit of pace, it was like there is someone with him out there. Like, he's having this out-of-body experience and things are happening with this golf ball that – aren't supposed to be happening. And it was pretty remarkable. And he mentioned after that he did feel his mother's presence on the course. And even if he didn't physically feel that Leo, I think this is the perfect example of how imperative it is to find your why in this life. And for some people like Wyndham, it's very, very sad that he had to lose his mother to, to get that why, but he has a more powerful why than anyone out there. And he makes sure that that they all know that, and he remembers that. And every single tournament from the time he was a little boy to where he's at now, his mom would always say, play big. No matter what, you just play big. And so that's been his mentality. That's been his life motto is I'm going to play big. I'm going to compete with the best of them, and I'm, I'm going to give it my 110%. And so I thought his story was uh, was pretty impressive. I, I love what he's accomplished. I think he's going to continue to have a really good career. I think he's mastered the mindset side of golf, and that's obviously – a huge part of the game, but uh, just a reminder to everyone how important it is to go find your why and to, to find your motto in life. That's a beautiful story. And just listening to you tell it, I could feel it. I could feel him out there and, and mom with him and, and magical things happen. And that's the power of belief. And like you said, why and what a great foundation and values and principles that his mom taught him. And he remembered that and it's been driving him forward and that's, that's what life is all about, is everybody, you know, achieving their potential, moving closer. And so what a beautiful story. And, and that's, just, um, that's just inspiration. That's the American dream embodied in that story. Thanks yeah. for sharing that and, with and us. And having such control of your mind. Like, these, he cannot break. What is it called? Like, when you're breaking character. Like, he was so dialed in from the time that he made that last putt. Like, he looked like the most confident, you can't phase me, you can't touch me, I'm winning this damn thing. The second that putt drops, he breaks out in tears. He starts sobbing. His siblings run to the green. His dad runs to the green, and it was just the most special. Like He had so much control of his mind, but the second that putt finally went in, he was Wyndham again, and it was, it was really cool. He was in the zone, and how special that must have been for his family. Yep. Well, uh, maybe we'll do the NFL next episode. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about, uh, you know, talk about games worth attending and, and see what games we're going to attend this year because that is always, always a lot of fun. So this is kind of that dead time. So it's a good time to work hard and get ready so you have a little extra time for football.
Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to break down some of the uh, over under on wins again. You, you know, be smart with your gambling. I've I've done pretty well with sports betting. You've, on you've the been NFL, on a roll so, lately. Uh, I'll share who I'm betting on over and under. But uh, have an awesome week. We'll talk to you in a couple days. All right, go figure, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure Podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.